If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we are on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 33 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, and we are your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. This is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. We know what it's like to want a great marriage, but not know where to start. So each week, we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that will help you build more connection and intimacy in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughs along the way. Woohoo! <laughs> so, honey, the strike is over. The strike is over. Okay. You know how, like, when we used to work at a supermarket together and, like, all the real supermarket people would go on strike? And uh, we, yeah, yeah. And we'd yeah. have to still work. We worked, we were up north <laughs> and it was a union <laughs> shop and, yeah. Well, well I... No, we... I've gone on supermarket strike the past, what is it, about a week and a half... Allie had been whining about how often I go to the grocery store. And I do, I enjoy going to the grocery store. Which is at least once a day. It's about once a day. But, you know, sometimes I just got to get out of the house. And, you know, Texas heat, you kind of want to, we've, we've got a lot of work to do inside the house. But I get cagey. And so I need to get out. So that's my excuse to go. Yeah. But the girls were sick of it. So I decided I wasn't going to go to the grocery store anymore. And so we were eating <laughs> stuff, oatmeal. Stuff that I think has been in our pantry for three, <laughs> three moves. You know what's funny is recently I've had three friends that have cleared out their pantries and have brought over their extra food to us. Yeah. It's very random. Random stuff. Are we like the garbage people or something? I, no. It's. Uh, it's I don't know. <laughs> but, hey, it helped in my supermarket strike. Yes. But the girls started so, to complain about only eating oatmeal every day. So you were on strike. Did you get your demands met? I mean... That they stopped whining. That was my demands met. Well, but they've been whining about eating oatmeal for every meal. <laughs> yeah, but we saved... I feel like we saved some money, too. It's like oatmeal and Condiments. peas and carrots with Ketchup and soy <laughs> sauce. Oh, soy sauce packets. Yeah. We, we were digging into the packets. Oh, we even packets. had some rain. I, I don't know where you come up with these packets. Like whenever I trip across them, I throw them away. Honey, that's just wasteful. But no, um, the strike is over. We went to the grocery store and the girls were happy that I wasn't making them eat gruel anymore. <laughs> But gruel's good for your character every once in a while, you know? Lisa, may I have some more? <laughs> but the thing is, all our friends that all our friends that cleaned out their pantry gave us all oatmeal. Every one of them gave us a thing of oatmeal. <laughs> Which is fine, because I like oatmeal. I like oatmeal, too. We I, got, I, oatmeal, a little bit of local honey, and some craisins. Boom! And some chocolate chips if you're feeling super spicy. Yeah, we're out of chocolate chips. What? Yeah. 
Uh oh. By and by out, I mean our four pa- four pound bag of chocolate chips from Costco is down to about one handful. Oh, out to you isn't the same as out to me. Just to be like, we're out of romaine lettuce. I'm like, honey, we have three heads left. <laughs> That's like one day's worth of lettuce. <laughs> if this is a coincidence or not, but I was pretty sick the last couple days. I think I was getting scurvy or something. (laughs) (laughs) The old oatmeal scurvy. No, I think it was just because we weren't having like the super balanced meals that we're kind of used to. Yeah, we we actually really eat pretty darn healthy and and make the kids eat as well as much as you can because, yeah. Yeah, we need kids. Be, yeah, I know. They just eat random. They think they're, you know, big stuff now that they can reach the shelves in the pantry and open the door. So now they're like, oh, so you I'm were eat the pantry. You were in the office earlier working uh, after dinner and we were playing games. I was playing games with the girls. And then I look over and Caroline had disappeared for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I look over and she's got a handful of graham crackers. And she didn't even eat her She dinner. ate like... We said, eat the rest of your dinner. She picked up one grain of rice off of her plate. She did eat one grain of rice. And ate one grain and said, I'm done. (laughs) But somehow she managed to find room for a handful of graham crackers. Oh, sure she did. But no, seriously, I was sick the past couple of days. So yesterday I fully leaned into the sickness. Mm. It was Saturday. So I was like, okay. I was binge watching whatever show I was watching and it just consumed me. And so I was like, I'm just not going to work. I'm just going to lay here. And you were awesome. You took the kids to the pool and, you know, did all that stuff. And you know what? I feel super good today. And speaking of feeling super good, um, I was reading an article about how to be amazing and get your crap together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, we'll just go with that transition. Get your crap together, man. Lord knows I got crap everywhere. All right. Top eight ways you need to hear about how to get your crap together. Number eight, you shouldn't be spending so much time on social media. Oh, my gosh. Except for on the Legendary mm. Marriage page or in the Legendary Marriage group, because that's an amazing way to spend on social media. I'm not yeah. kidding, because... It's um, a redeeming way. Yeah. Instead of scrolling <laughs> through all those memes and the political posts and all that other garbage that just fills up your feed, hit up the Legendary Marriage Group and the Legendary Marriage page. We're filling your feed full of inspiring, encouraging, supportive, challenging stuff that's just happy and good. And I still do want to see a little bit of like cat videos once in a while, too. Uh, well, yeah. Anything bad happening to a cat is funny. <laughs> All right, number eight. I'm kidding. Kind, kind of. of. Numbers. <laughs> number seven, your reactions are the problem. Yeah, a lot of people tend to take things that are not a big deal and blow them up into a giant deal that they are really not. They love the drama. We're interpreting things all the time. Yeah. We're, we're always interpreting, trying to create a story. And mm. the problem is our interpretations are usually wrong. Yeah. And that can be pretty harmful. All right, number six. The riskiest thing you can do is just avoid Which, well, risk. Well, hold on, hold on. Your interpretations are usually wrong, so get curious. Yeah. Stop get, and ask the friend what's really going on rather yeah. than assuming and creating a drama about it. Anyway, go on. Number six. Avoid 
The riskiest thing you can do is avoid risk. Avoiding risk. I am, I am simultaneously attracted and repulsed by this idea. I'm a ric- risk-adverse person. Yeah, but in a way. Know. And I, I, I seek adventure in other ways. I think the key is to listen to that voice that's telling you, don't do it, don't do it. And ask yourself, what's that about? Is it a legitimate like safety concern or financial concern? Or is mm-hmm. it just you're letting fear rule your life? And if that's the case, yeah. forget that. Yeah, fear's a lousy motivator, folks. All right, number five, you should always have enough money for what truly matters. This is just really about priorities. And speaking of money and priorities, Mm -hmm. in two weeks, we have Nikki Tucker from The Firm Approach coming to talk about handling your finances. It's a great interview. You're going to love it. Yeah, how to talk with your your, uh, spouse about the dreaded money talk, budgeting. But she makes it sound super easy and fun. Well, yeah, Yeah. it can be. It can be. Number four, people are going to hate you no matter what you do. Always going to be haters out there. Mm -hmm. There's there's a book out there, and I can't actually say the name of the book because it literally has the F-bomb in the name of the book. Oh. It's uh, the the secret art of not giving up. And I haven't read it yet, but I have a feeling it talks about this. Yeah, you know what? We like our clean rating on iTunes, so we're not going to... Yeah, we're we'll going to keep it. We'll just bleep it. it but, but it is so true. Like, people are going to disapprove and hate you for yeah, whatever you, you have to say. Political, religious, theological. Heck, what kind? Of, whether you're a cat person or a dog person. And think about it. If you're really worried so much about what other people think about you your message is going to become so benign mm-hmm. that nobody's going to care to listen to your voice anyway. Yeah, we dilute things so much in, out of this fear of, of being rejected. Number three, blaming. Blama only makes you weaker. Yeah, yeah. Extreme Ownership, this fantastic book about leadership from a Navy SEALs perspective, mm. it, it just talks about the idea of extreme ownership. Like it's on you. Take mm-hmm. responsibility for yourself and your leadership in any circumstance. Even and if all logic so dictates it. yeah. that it's somebody else's fault, it's like, it, well, there's, you could have saved your part. You could have saved the day. Yeah. So and it's the same thing in marriage. No matter what your spouse is up to, you have a role. You have a part in it because a marriage is the two of you. That's right. Um, and number two, people don't think of you. As much as you think they do. Oh, I wish people thought of me more. Oh, well. I mean, I, I, I feel this. I feel prob- this. They probably don't. I really do feel this. Because, <laughs> like, we're such extroverts. We're always trying to connect with people and everything and network and everything. Just, like, socially. Not just yeah. business, but socially. And I feel like so there are times when I'm like, you know, I, these friends, we're always the ones who reach out. And they, they never reach out. And there they're, they're are people, it's just, yeah. it's a sensitivity. But the reality is everybody's busy and they're fighting their own battles and they've got their lives. And, and you know what? They know that that's our strength. So they lean into sure. our strength that way. All right. And number one, even the perfect relationship ding, 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 is not going to complete you. You complete me. No, you don't. No. <laughs> What a terrible, terrible line of 
The truth, yes. the truth is you can only work on yourself. Yeah. And sure, your partner can work on themselves and you can come together and, you know, have your vision for your marriage and get stuff done together. But when it comes down to it, you work on yourself and your partner works on themselves. All right. So that those are the eight brutally honest truths you need to hear if you want to get your crap together. Um, before we jump into today's interview, we actually have a special guest here to introduce our special guest interview. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. One of our favorite people in the whole world. Um, Allie Williams. Here she is. Today we have Karen Harper on the show. Not only is she my friend, she's a coach and pastor. She's in charge of spiritual formation at Woodman Valley Chapel in Colorado Springs in Colorado. Just like Allie said, Karen is a pastor and ministry leader for more than 20 years. She spent half of that time overseas as a missionary. And in the last 10 years, she's worked in churches to help men and women explore God within community. And she also guides women in discovering their truest identity and passions through leading in the Destiny Project. Welcome, Karen. Tell us a little bit more about what you're up to, Miss Karen. Yeah, well, I recently moved about seven months ago. I moved to Colorado Springs from Austin, Texas. The only bummer about not living in Austin is I don't get to see you guys. Oh, that's yeah, that's the only thing. The yeah, the only, only you know, only and maybe some, some good food and, you know, all that jazz. But yeah, I'm loving living in Colorado. I absolutely love the mountains. Got to ski. I think every week um, on my day off, um, but I am, I'm on staff at a church here called Woodman Valley Chapel, and it's really fun. It's an exciting time because I am the director of community groups and spiritual growth, which we kind of joke, like I'm in charge of everyone's spiritual growth. Like, I don't know exactly how that works, you know, but... Um, <laughs> But you're like, omnipresent, Karen. You're yeah. omniscient. You're yeah. right. It's crazy. All that, which is pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. Right. But um, but it's really an exciting time because it was actually last fall where they launched um community groups last September and twelve hundred people signed up out of a um church of like six thousand. And Whoa. so it's been super exciting that they didn't really have anyone in that role. And right when God was kind of leading my heart to move to Colorado to be near family and near the mountains, um, is kind of how we got connected. So I came on in January and have had the chance just to continue to develop leaders here and encourage and give strategic direction to the community groups at all three of our campuses and work really closely with these amazing campus pastors that are here. So been yeah. fun. Yeah. So Karen has this amazing capacity to have um, so many people in her li- life and influence so many people yeah. at one time. You would like, she has the, um, the capacity of like an octopus. Like she can be carrying <laughs> on relationships with all That's these. That's an interesting visual. Well, I think we Karen like that. Like she is like the ultimate multitasker in like relationships. Sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, but she's also she also coaches women through the Destiny Project, and we've mentioned the Destiny Project on here before. And um, so, how did you get into kind of the coaching deal? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it was, man, I think it was eight years ago when I went to the Destiny Project as a participant. 
um, outside of Austin. And it was literally... I mean, it was so transformational for me. I always say that I've probably been to a hundred retreats. Potentially I've led close to a hundred retreats and I had never experienced anything quite like the destiny project in the sense that it was, I mean, I think it's that idea that because it's a small group and just the curriculum is so interactive, it just allowed me to really get to, um, to see who God had created me to be and really get to hone in on, you know, what are the uniquenesses of God, of God's creation of me? What has he called me to? But then I think so many retreats kind of stop at that point. And sure. you yeah. go, well, I have no idea how to live that out, but it's so amazing as far as going, okay, so if this is who God's created you to be and the masterpiece that you are and the mission he's calling you to, what does it look like to live that out in all these different areas of your life? Mm-hmm. And it's so practical. So basically I went to it eight years ago and then I ended up helping with it for several years. And then when I felt like I had the capacity to kind of add that in, I was trained as a leader and have gotten the chance to, to co-lead the Destiny Project um, many times since then. And I've gotten to work closely with Danielle in that. And it's just been yeah. so amazing. Now, you, you actually, you went to um, some school for coaching too. Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. I went and- to CTI, exactly. Yeah. And what, what kind of drew you to the coaching aspect of it? I'm curious about that. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, um, Michael Warden, who's been on your show recently, um, basically he, um, he had told several of us about CTI, including Justin. And my reaction was, okay, some of the people that I most respect in Austin are coaches, um, Michael, Sarah Sherwood, others that I had interacted with. And so I felt like, okay, I'll go to this intro, you know, class. And, um, I wanted just to be able to apply the coaching skills in ministry and in the roles that God's given me. And I ended up going just to that intro, um, you know, weekend and was so blown away by just the curriculum, um, and how powerful it was to really help people kind of, um, explore it on their own and discover for themselves just through powerful questions, what is going on in my life? What do I truly long for? So I ended up finishing the four other weekends um, with CTI and just feel like it's an incredible training. Now, I'm curious, you, you spoke of your, uh, your um, time with Destiny Project and with um, CTI. I'm wondering, like, so Destiny Project is all women. And we've right. mentioned that Braveheart is all dudes. Yes. And um, what's important about um, that kind of tapping into the women's heart that kind of, it seems like they just kind of blossom after that. You've said, you know, some other retreats, it kind of, you know, leaves you a little short there. But what's important about that tapping into their hearts kind of thing? Yeah, I think I think as women, we are so naturally just givers. Like we love to help other people. And I think even that's kind of a a barrier to people even going to the Destiny Project. It's like, no, 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 I don't, I don't deserve that, or I don't have the time to invest in myself. Mm. But I think when women go to the Destiny Project, it's so powerful because they get to actually discover what is it that makes my heart come alive? And how do I build that into my life so that I'm the most filled up and energized 
so that I can give more effectively to those around me. So I think that's what's so powerful is as we as women connect with those places in our heart that are so so powerful and so important and that give us life, then we're able to pour out that life onto the many people that surround us that need you know, that life. And sometimes it seems like such a mystery. Like people don't know their own hearts right. and you're, you just, you uncover these things and you're like, wow, that's, that's me. That's how I was created to be. Um, what's, um, do you, can you give a story about how you kind of like, you know, tapped into your own heart and found out more about yourself? It seems like we're such a mystery to even ourselves sometimes. Right. No, it's so true. Um, Gosh, that's such a good question. I think for me, I mean, you guys both know this, but one of the things that was the most powerful for me about the Destiny Project was um, we were at this beautiful setting in Hunt, Texas. And as I was writing out truly, who is it that God's created me to be? Um, It was actually early in the morning and Jesus and I were kayak on this beautiful river in Hunt. And what was so fun is God, what God spoke to me was um, that idea, I, I may just have to explain basically the whole idea of me being this handcrafted, vibrant, captivating sailboat. And the reason why the sailboat was really um, powerful for me was that it doesn't have a power source of its own. Mm. And, um, and so that idea of the wind being what, what breathes life into my life and directs me and empowers me, yes. and yet the sailboat in and of itself has such beauty and it really does draw people in. And so for me, that whole, God's used that analogy since then in the last eight years. I mean, for sure, every week since then, just to speak the fact that he wants to be the power source and he will lead and guide. And we have this incredible partnership together of what is sailing is you. I know very few people who can sail just one person at a time. You know, it is kind of, it's, it's a pretty um, complex deal. And so it's just fun that, that me and God get to do that together. And then he can use, um, use that hopefully to inspire others and beckon others into the greatest adventure and romance ever with the lover of their souls. It's interesting how we say, we're saying like, you know, the heart can kind of be a mystery, but you say, once you kind of tapped into that, it's like something that you revisit, you know, daily, weekly, God brings to your mind, this whole idea of who he's created you to be in your heart. And, you know, it, it could kind of be like, Oh, you know, it's a fun thing to know a little bit more about me, but you're making it sound like it's integral to, you know, the daily workings of your life. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like since the Destiny Project, it has truly impacted the way I do relationships, the way I do ministry, the way I go about, you know, my daily um, routines. So it's been really powerful and so fun to get to see so many other women kind of come to those discoveries, you know, so Mm -hmm. Many yeah. women in Austin that I know, so many women here in Colorado that have already experienced it. And just the way that it does, like it lights a fire in our heart once we really know who he sees us to be. And even the way that, you know, as you guys know, the way that you're able to experience at a brave heart or a destiny project, the way others see you too, that you're like, I had no idea that that's the way I was experienced, you know, by others. So mm-hmm. You know, you you touched on something a minute ago that I, that I just want to speak to and and ask a little deeper, uh, just around women having the courage to give themselves permission to receive 
yeah. in something like Destiny Project. And I just, I'm really curious what else you would say there about that. Yeah, I just, I mean, even I just led one in April here in Colorado and various friends that I invited from here, that was the, that was the holdup, you know, because it's like, no, I have so much going on here. I can't, you know, step away. And I think like so many other things in life, you know, okay, I'm so busy that I don't have time for God or time to spend time with God. It's like, okay, but wait, when I do spend time with God, I'm so much more peaceful and rooted and have so much more to give. And I feel like the same way with the Destiny Project, that if you can actually take those three and a half days to go, okay, God, how do you want to speak to my heart? How can I be encouraged in relationship and and see all these revelations about myself and about you? Then there's just this well from which we can give life-giving water to others, you know? But I just think as women, we're like, we take on that duty, you know? It's like, no, but I have this responsibility and that one and I can't step away, you know? It's it's so interesting that that the reasons the 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 objections or the the things that hold the resistance that holds people back from any from kind of personal like growth or spiritual it, growth it's, yeah it's the yeah. same kind of a thing with guys it's more the oh I'm 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 good I don't I need it like I don't need it no I don't need it I'm you know that's for other people it's it's uh, the heart thing it's too too woo for me for women <laughs> it's it's the it's the not wanting to um to receive because it could be for somebody else. It's, it's that, that instinct that, um, uh, to serve, to love the capacity for loving others mm-hmm. that uh, actually Mike mentioned in the, the Previous part two one. of his interview. This episode of the legendary marriage podcast is brought to you by the legendary marriage intensive rediscover the heart of your marriage. If you love each other, but you've lost heart, then it's time for the Legendary Marriage Intensive. A beautiful mountain lodge, three days of clarity, purpose, adventure, and renewing your love for each other as you forge friendships and transform your marriage forever. Part of what we're doing at LMI is helping you look at the story of your relationship with fresh eyes so you can fall in love all over again and resolve some of those long-standing and recurring challenges while you craft a clear, fresh vision for the next season of your marriage and your family. Oh yeah, and you'll have some epic adventure in the mountains and romantic night on the town. It's deep, rich learning, adventure, and plenty of laughs. That's the focus for three days as you forge friendships and build the skills and tools to transform your marriage and your family forever. So hit legendarymarriage.com slash intensive to register for October 19th through the 22nd um, in Breckenridge, Colorado. We only have room for four more couples for this event. One spot's already taken as of today. All right. To find out more and apply, go to legendarymarriage.com slash intensive. If you have any questions, you can always email us at Danielle and Justin at legendarymarriage.com. And now back to our interview with Karen Harper interesting how we're talking about women tapping into their heart and even men tapping into their heart and you know the idea that you know people kind of put up a wall or they they you know kind of in their mind they make up these things about like I can't get in there and some sometimes I think maybe people think the heart is too scary of a place to jump into (laughs) they think 
you know, what will I uncover if I actually get in there? Um, but we talk about in Legendary Marriage that we are um, want couples to find the heart of their marriage. Yeah. And um, what, what do you think it looks like for a man to pursue the heart of a woman? And, you know, ideas around that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hold on. I got to, I got to get a fresh pen. I need to take. Oh yeah. There you go. Here we go. Take notes. Take notes, Justin. I love it. Yeah. I think, I think what's interesting and actually I would say this to men across the board, not even just husbands. Mm -hmm. Um, it's funny because Justin knows this at some point I want to write a book called like calling all heroes or whatever, something along that line of how Mm. men can really play this heroic role in the lives of the women around them, not just their wives or their daughters, but any woman around them just by being men, you know, and that Mm. idea of, of men really manning up and being the leaders that we long for them to be being these spiritual kind of role models so that it frees us up to not have to take on what we were talking about of all the responsibility. And it allows us to be, you know what I mean? And I think also, um, you know, it's that thing too, that I think some men fear, oh, if it's not my wife, I can't connect with them on kind of a heart level. But then I, I look at Jesus and how he interacted with women, you know, in the way that he knelt down next to the woman, the adulterous woman, and was present with her. And I can't imagine the level of comfort and um, compassion that she felt, you know, and then the way that, that Jesus enjoyed being with women, how, how Mary, you know, he, she bowed at his feet. She anointed his feet with oil and that he's like, Hey, this will be told forever. You know, the way that she just loved me and worshiped me and all that. So I think, I think that not only for husbands or dads, I think it is that thing of sometimes Christian men with all the right intentions are like, Oh no, I can't get near that. I don't want to ask about her heart. Cause maybe it'll be inappropriate, whatever. But I think that suddenly I will we'll fall into some sexual affair. Exactly. Some, some major yeah. must, not speak, must not look, must not talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, like, how does that hit you? I mean, as a person who's been in the ministry for years and years and years and years, you know, how does that hit you when men kind of put up the I can't look at her or talk to her, you know, give her a hug or whatever. Like, how does that hit you? (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. And I think I honestly, I feel so blessed because I've had the privilege to work with men like Justin and like Kenny and Eric and Jeremy and Austin and the campus pastors here in Colorado that have so not been that type of interaction, you know? So, so I have heard from other women how damaging that is. Cause then it, it does kind of make you feel like, am I a leper? Like you can't even talk to me. You can't, yeah. you can't put your arm around me. You can't, you know? And so side hug. Yeah, exactly. And, you know? I, I want to <laughs> add a note here, guys who are listening. If that is your fear, like if you're not engaging in, in a brotherly capacity, if you're not standing alongside the women that you work with and you do ministry with because you're afraid that suddenly you're going to have some kind of an affair with them, then you need to be looking at your marriage, not, not those relationships. Yeah. Like you need to be looking internally at your own stuff and at making sure that you're investing in your marriage, not withholding yourself from your coworkers, from your your friends, from your, your sisters in, in Christ. 
Exactly. Yeah. And interesting, you said that you, you were thinking of, you know, Christian men that kind of, um, you want to call them to arms to become more of a hero and a spiritual leader and everything. What have you been seeing in your years of ministry experience as far as, you know, if you're wanting to call them into action, what kind of have you been seeing them doing or acting like that they need that swift kick in the rear? Yeah. I mean, I would say, thankfully, so many of the men that I connect with closely. Oh, sure. Sure, Karen. No, truly, they've been amazing. But I think think that unfortunately, so many of the women I know are married to guys that aren't stepping up, you know? And and I don't know. I honestly, there's another, there's some folks that you guys should have on your podcast. You've heard me talk about them. But my dearest friends, Crystal and Herman um, Jurgens, who are Estonian, they- do it. Okay. Right. Well, they're, they're going to be back in, um, in Colorado Springs, like the end of July. So we'll talk hey, about that. But we, we do it international. It's all well, good. That's true. That's a good point. Zoom, <laughs> go, Zoom, go, Zoom will travel. But they, for me, have been the coolest model of what it looks like to partner together and the whole biblical model of, okay, I'm going to submit to you because you love me like Christ loved the church. And so what I think I learned through that is Crystal is a lot like me and a lot of other women where we're go-getters and leaders. But she had the most incredible way of kind of stepping back just a little to give room for Herman to step up. So I think sometimes we as women, we actually like, you know, cut guys off at the knees because it's like, hey, I got this. And we don't give them room to step up and be the spiritual leaders that we actually long for, you know? And so I think... there is absolutely truth in that. Like we, we don't want to say it, but guys are wildly insecure and we, we do have a deep need to feel like we're needed, like we're contributing yeah. and valued and, and, sure. and, and appreciated. Right. So, so yeah. 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 And so I think, I mean, it's so funny because I feel like as much as men and women are vastly different, I feel like we both need the same thing. Like one of the things I'd love to you know, write about and expand on in the book is that idea of how men could call us forth as women. And I think of like, even Adam, when he was given, the first job he was given was to to um, look at all the creatures and to name them. And I feel like you guys as men have that ability to look at us as sisters and wives and daughters and name us and call out in us the beauty that you see and call forth courage in us. But then the same way as women, it's like, how do we do that as well for men and really affirm the ways that you guys are stepping forth, the ways that you guys are leading, the ways you guys are encouraging, the ways you might see us, you know, so I think that is clearly uh, a give and take and a back and forth so that we can encourage each other. Now, I know you've done a lot of work with um, singles over the years. Yeah. And how do you see this playing out in like kind of the courtship kind of place or like kind of the beginning phases of a relationship where, you know, men and women are still kind of finding their footing? What would you encourage those men to do that are, you know, in that place where they're just kind of you know, finding their way? Yeah, that's a great question. I read an article years and years ago, and of course I can never find it, but it was this really cool perspective of dating of like, I think sometimes as Christians, we put so much pressure on what it has to look like, you know, and it's like, oh wait, is this a potential spouse? 
for me or not. And really this article was just talking about what if, um, what if we saw every first date or every dating situation as an opportunity to encourage our brother or sister in Christ, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I think it gets, it gets wishy-washy and it gets confusing because it's like, Oh, but I don't want to lead him on. I don't want to lead her on. But at the same time, if they're a brother or sister in Christ, what does it look like for us just to call out here's what I see in you, regardless of whether you're the man for me, this is what I see in you. And it's awesome. You know? So I think that if we could see it more that way and not have it be like, Oh, the first couple dates determine whether, you know, whether we're going to end up together for the rest of our lives, but really just go, how do I, how do I be Christ to this person, man or woman, you know, that I'm hanging out with just like any other friend, like how do I reflect back to them what I see and the, um, the masterpiece that I see in them. Yeah. And it's interesting that you're, you know, you're really speaking to kind of the uniqueness that each person has. And I know that sometimes people spend time actually trying to suppress or ignore like kind of what's in their heart. You know, like, Oh, I don't want to be that person. I want to be like that other person or something like that. What do you think happens to a woman's heart or a man's heart when they're just kind of like trying to ignore what's going on inside them or kind of suppressing like their true identity? Just that idea of, um, of not really honoring my heart and not letting myself feel kind of the harder, more negative, tough emotions. You know, I think, I think sometimes it's like we maybe take out of context, the verses like rejoice always or be thankful in all situations. Of course that is true, but it's like, if I don't, if I'm not willing to be honest about the places in my heart that are really hurting and need healing, then I, I'm just going to keep pushing them down. And ultimately they're going to explode, which I have certainly experienced that if you <laughs> ignore them, it very rarely ends up being the healthy route. You know, yeah. it's like, what does it look like for me to honor those and to know that Jesus also, he is not only an all-powerful God and an all-knowing God, he's an all-feeling God. And he walks through every struggle that we've ever had and he gets it and he sits with me and he wraps his arm around me and is like, I... I know it, I get it, I see it, and I'm with you in it. And letting, because I can't let him heal something that I'm not willing to even acknowledge and sit with. I think, oh my gosh, it, 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 what a great uh, articulation of exactly what marriage is. Hmm. It, is to sit with your spouse and be with them and see them and hear them and feel with them yeah. and say, and just say that, yeah. I am here with you. Yeah. It sucks. When it when it's when it's something heavy, it sucks, and I'm right. here. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think we we try to complicate it and make it so much with with all kinds of aspects and dimensions and and models and and principles and everything. But when it comes down to it, it's that. It's mm-hmm. And to to mourn with them and everywhere in between. Yeah. Absolutely. So Karen, just in kind of wrapping up here. So this is the Legendary Marriage Podcast. So um, I know you have lots of um, married people in your years of ministry and coaching and everything that that are near you. What do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? 
Yeah. I mean, as you guys know, I am single, so I'm clearly not speaking from a place of personal experience, but I think watching so many couples, amazing couples and couples that are trying to figure it out and are struggling. I really do think um, one huge piece of it is enjoying the adventure together and recognizing, um, you know, that it, 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 there are lots of unexpected turns and how do you just enjoy each other in the process? And what you, you just said, Justin, I love that in Estonian, the word to like empathize means it's literally translated to feel along. And so it's like, what does it look like with a spouse to go, I am rejoicing with you in this promotion that you have just gotten and I'm going to celebrate with you. Or if there's something that someone has lost in a grief, what does it look like to cry with them and mourn with them? You know, so I think it is that idea of seeing it as this journey and this adventure where it's like, hey, we're in this together, like kind of out in the wilderness where you go, we're both screwed if we go on our own, you know, right. and we're, but if we're going to stick together, we, there's survival strategies and not only survival, but there's ways that we can enjoy this adventure and this journey together if we choose to team together. Oh man. I love talking with Karen. She is like a sister to me. Sister from another mother. Uh, and another mister and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and all the siblings. Yeah. And <laughs> but Karen's, Karen's one of my peeps and I know she is for you too. Yeah. So man, there were some key takeaways from yeah. this interview. She had a lot of wisdom there. You know, I, I, I wouldn't phrase it this way for me, but th- when she said essentially fill up your heart so that you can give more to others, mm. like it makes so much sense. Like I know I get, I just get run down and I turn into a total jerk. Crickets, tumbleweed. <laughs> no, honey, you're always wonderful. Uh-huh. No, it's it goes to the adage of like on the airplane where they say, put on your own mask and then help people yes. around yes. you. Yes. And it's so counterintuitive in so many ways. Sure. Like we all have this shame and guilt and crap that says, oh no, you've got to man up or cowgirl up and, and just keep going. And like, you know, it's just like problem solving. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to stop staring at the math problem, get up, move around, restore a little bit, and then Mm -hmm. come back to it. And it just goes just like that. And you find the answer. Yeah. Justin, you're, you're huge. You're um, huge on that. Just, just um, spend a little time, be restored, and then come back to and your it's family amazing. and friends. <laughs> you know, we get to this place where we think, I need a month in a cabin in the woods by myself in the winter <laughs> yeah. to be, feel restored. And, you know, that's a wonderful thing. And oh. just taking five minutes to sit out on the front porch and listen to the birds early in the morning or the kids down the street screaming instead of your own kids or whatever it is, (laughs) just taking a couple minutes. It's amazing how God multiplies the impact of that. Yeah. So the other thing she said that we talked about was um, just around the interactions between men and women. Yeah. You, you had a, a gold nugget there. You'd said, you know, if you're afraid of an emotional affair with like a woman, that's a friend of yours or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, don't get so extreme with like, we can't look at each other. We can't give each other a hug or I can't talk to you. It's like, if you're really concerned about having an affair with a friend of yours, 
then you need to check yourself. <laughs> and, and if you're worried about your spouse having some kind of interaction that, that wouldn't be right, uh, again, it's, it's, you need to check on the health of your marriage. Mm-hmm. Look there first rather than um, creating these, these awkward divisions between people who are, are brothers and sisters in, in faith, in, in arms, yeah. at work, whatever. Like, behave reasonably. Right. Like, have emotional intelligence about, about when your heart is leaning into something unhealthy with somebody else. But start by investing in your marriage. Right. Hold it healthy. And, and that stuff doesn't, doesn't matter the way it does when you're not looking there. I love it. And um, I, I like how she said, a man cannot heal something that you're not willing to deal with on your own. She was talking about, yeah. you know, those depths, those feelings that you have where it's, you know, maybe a dark place or something. And it's like sometimes you look to your man, to your husband, to be the almighty healer of your wounds and make you feel all better and complete. You complete me. And, and it's not obvious. Mm-mm, no. We don't think, oh, I'm going to look to my spouse or to someone from the opposite sex as my answer. And yet that's what we're doing. Right. I was talking with a guy earlier today who was in that place. He's dating five different women and all this, you know, all this drama around it. And I'm like, just stop looking to women to heal the wounds that you have. Right. Go do your work. Right. Go do your own work. You're not, uh, you know, relying on somebody else to heal something for you. Good, good point. And I love the beauty that she talked about. Um, what does it take to have a legendary marriage? Celebrate and mourn together. I love mm-hmm. that. That's just such a beautiful picture of a true partnership. And you know what? I, I could even translate that to friendship or to family or or to marriage or to yeah. whatever relationship. It's like if you're really invested with a person you not only are with them in the good times and you want to celebrate it like crazy, but when something's not going so well, you want to cry with them, you want to scream with them and all that because that's the hard stuff. That's when you need somebody to come next to you. And it's hard too because a lot of times that's when you get the the roadblock put up. It's like, no, I'll deal with it. I'll struggle through it. You don't have to put yourself out. And and it's it matters because it's right at the heart of your marriage. Mm-hmm. It's that notion of companionship mm-hmm. that we don't want to be alone in the battle, and you're not. Mm-hmm. Don't don't stand alone, and don't let your spouse stand alone in those things. No, I love it. Good or bad. Yeah, I think the vows go uh, sickness and health, better and worse. Do you remember those? You remember those vows? Honey? More or less. I may have delivered <laughs> them a hundred times as a pastor over the years. You know a few of those. Yeah. Um, but you know what? We've got a challenge for you this week. What? You know, we're talking about looking into your heart and into your spouse's heart. I feel like I want to hold hands, honey. Okay. Um, get together with your spouse. Have a quiet conversation and call out something beautiful you see in the other person's heart. How about something strong and powerful and virile and manly? Yes, that too. Yeah. It could, it could start something like this. I love how you are 
virile and manly. <laughs> I love how you okay. are, you know, strong and courageous and ruthless. Justin is ruthless. Oh. Um, in all the good ways. In all the good ways. <laughs> <laughs> ruthless in the good ways. All right. No, relentless. I love how you're relentless. So call something out in your spouse, something that you see is true to the core of them. Not, I love how you do the dishes. You know, can, can I do, do we have, can I call something out? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I be ruthless <laughs> too? <laughs> no, I absolutely love how you are welcoming. Like mm. you absolutely welcome everyone all the time, right into the deepest places of life. Mm. And it is, it is incredible to see. And it's humbling. I even say welcome to the legendary marriage podcast in the beginning of the show. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> why? I was just great noticing. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. All right. So the challenge is grab a minute with your spouse and just call out something that's so amazing about them. Mm-hmm. Celebrate who God made them to be. Yeah. And you can find this episode and the show notes, everything we talked about in this episode at legendarymarriage.com slash zero three three. So come and join the conversation on our free community in Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share about transforming marriage from ordinary to legendary. Yeah. Get in there and fill up your feed with some good, healthy, wholesome, fun stuff. Yeah, you can search for the Legendary Marriage group on Facebook, or you can just visit legendarymarriage.com slash community. Have a great week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary.